Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. Thanks for looking in on the podcast. Oh, thanks is what it's all about, especially in the United States this week, because in a day or so at the time I'm recording this, it'll be time for everybody to head off for Thanksgiving. Time for me to get out Alice's Restaurant for another year. Well, I can't give you a Thanksgiving dinner that couldn't be beat, but I can give you a Thanksgiving sale that's pretty compelling, and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. Up ahead on the Blindside podcast today, it is the concluding part of our look at the Samsung Galaxy S8. Thank you very much for all of the feedback that's been coming in on this. I'm glad that so many people have found it helpful. Don't forget that you can discuss this review and the whole topic of phones in general on the Blind Phones discussion list. And if you want to subscribe to that, you can send an email to blindphones plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindphones, the plus symbol, subscribe at groups.io. Last week, I spoke to the gathering of the National Council of State Agencies for the Blind, who were conversing in Greenville, I wasn't in Greenville. I was being remoted in. It's amazing what they can do with technology these days. But it was a pleasure to speak to agency leaders around the United States. And the topic I was talking with them about was using Apple hardware and apps as a tool in the toolbox. It's a 30-minute-ish address, maybe a little longer. And the text of that address, if you'd like to read my thoughts on that, is on the Mosin Consulting blog right now. You can head on over to mosin.org slash blog and take a look at that address. Now, it has become the tradition, not just in the United States, but around the world, to offer major discounts at this time of year. Black Friday, I think, was the first, and then that got extended to Cyber Monday, and essentially, you know, it's heading towards the end of the year, and retailers want to go into the black and all those sorts of things. So we will play at Mosin Consulting. Yes, we will. We are offering a 25% discount. That's a nice, generous one quarter off everything in the Mosin Consulting store. If you've been thinking about purchasing our podcasting course, which normally retails for $60, it's a comprehensive course on all you need to know to create a podcast like this one, or probably better than this one. Well, it's normally $60. Of course, it'll be $45 during this sale period. If you're looking at buying the iOS 11 without the i, or maybe the whole series, because you can buy it as a bundle, 25% off the bundle and the individual book. Bonnie Mosin's book, It's Off to Work We Go, packed with information about employment tips. That's there too. Apple TV, Sonos, Braille on Display, Amadeus Pro, My Mac Pages. Oh, there's so much in the store that you might like to avail yourself of. And a 25% discount is nice and generous. So how does this work? I will tell you. Since it's you, since it's you, I'll let you in on the secret. The secret is that when you check out in the Mosin Consulting Store, which you can go directly to, by the way, by going to mosin.org slash store, that's mosin.org slash store, the checkout process has an edit field there that invites you to enter a coupon code. And the magic coupon code for this sale is the word THANKFUL. Just type the word THANKFUL into the coupon code box and press the apply button. And when you do that, you will notice that magically 25% gets taken off the total purchase that is in your cart at the moment. So fill up your cart, use that coupon code THANK YOU. It's available now and we'll keep it available until probably about Tuesday of next week, and you can get 25% off everything in the Mosin Consulting Store. Our place, our issues. The Blind Side with Jonathan Mosin. As we continue our look at the Galaxy S8, let's talk alternative input methods. I'm going to ask Bixby to open the Notes app. Open Notes. Sure thing. We'll need to allow permissions first to use Samsung Notes. Oh, will I? Okay, let's do that then. I'll just touch the screen somewhere here. Allow Samsung Notes to access photos, media, and files on your device. Deny button. Allow button. Or double tap. Double tap to select Samsung Notes. It's more than just writing. 
Call numbers, send emails, and connect the website straight from your notes. Skip button. Next button. All right, let's just go Double through this. Select. Showing item two of two. Expand your ideas. Enjoy expandable pages that stretch as you write or draw. Start button. Samsung Notes. And let's have a look at the screen. Samsung Notes. More options button. All, tab one of two. Collections, tab two of two. No notes, the notesy lab will appear here. Import from Samsung account. To import notes and memo save with your Samsung account. Tap settings. Settings button. Close button. Create button. And we'll double tap. Double tap to select. Create. Keyboard shown. Brailleback keyboard active. The Brailleback keyboard is active. I have been having a look at Brailleback and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I obviously want to change that. And to do that, I go to the very bottom right of the screen. This is in the same area that you have the home button and the recent apps button and the back button. When you are in an edit field, there is another button that appears. Switch input, switch input method button. Switch input method. Or double tap. Showing items one to three or three. We have three input methods available. Radio button selected. Braille hardware keyboard. Radio button not selected. Google voice typing. Radio button not selected. Samsung keyboard. You can install other keyboards from the Google Play Store. Android has had third-party keyboards long before iOS, and really iOS responded to the popularity of third-party keyboards on Android. I'm going to flick left. Radio button not selected. Google Voice Typing. And we'll try this one. Double tap to select. We'll double tap to select Google Voice Typing. And when I do that, you will hear the little Google chime that indicates that Google is listening. And then I can start to dictate. So you have two choices. I'm in the edit field and I can hold down the Bixby button and dictate. But I tell you what, the dictation that comes from Google is stunning. It's almost as good as the dictation I get from the dedicated Dragon Naturally Speaking app, which I use all the time on my PC in my Mosin consulting capacity, and I get a lot done that way, but I certainly have not found iOS dictation to be that reliable. If you want to come across as professional, you just can't use dictation. Uh, At least most people can't use dictation on iOS without a lot of mistakes creeping in, and then you've got to make corrections. And if you're going to make corrections, you may as well just type it out. So how good is this thing? Let's give it a shot. Hello, full stop. Hello, hello. I am dictating this note and using this Google this Voice note. Dictation Google. on my Google. Samsung Galaxy S8. Full stop. I am dictating this note using Google Voice Dictation on my Samsung Galaxy S8. As you can hear, comma, you can hear. Dictation is extremely accurate, comma. Extremely accurate. I don't have to pause or do anything unusual with my speech. Full stop. With my speech. As you can hear, dictation is extremely accurate. I don't have to pause or do anything unusual with my speech. If I pause long enough, comma, capital I, long enough, I will get the entire sentence that I just dictated, full stop. The voice feedback is actually really impressive, full stop, although it takes a wee while to get used to, full stop. I will get the entire sentence that I just dictated. The voice feedback is actually really impressive, although it takes a wee while to get used to. It made the beep to say that it had stopped listening, I guess because I had paused long enough to make it think that it was time for it to shut down. So let's review what we have, and I'm going to try and tap somewhere roughly in the center of the screen. Hello, I am dictating this note using Google Voice Dictation on my Samsung Galaxy S8. As you can hear, dictation is extremely accurate. I don't have to pause or do anything unusual with my speech. If I pause long enough, I will get the entire sentence that I just dictated. The voice feedback is actually really impressive, although it takes a wee while to get used to. You see, there is not a single error. There is not one single error in that dictation. And I was just speaking casually. I wasn't doing anything special. The Google Voice dictation is just mind-bogglingly cool. Now, some of you with a bit of tech savvy are going to be saying, yes, but what happens if you unplug the cable from the mixer? Because if you're hearing that kind of echo back when you're dictating, you're going to get into an infinite loop, aren't you? Because... If I say, hello, this is Jonathan dictating, and the speaker picks up eloquent speaking back, hello, this is Jonathan dictating, then you're going to get a crazy infinite loop. But actually, they've thought of that. So I'm going to unplug from the mixer, and I'm going to hold the speaker up to the microphone, and we'll look for the create button. 
No notes. The notes in lab will appear here. Import from Samsung. Settings button. Close button. Create button. There we go. Keyboard shown. We'll find the dictation. Switch input method button. Right at the bottom right of the screen. Showing items 1 to 3 of 3. Radio button not selected. Samsung keyboard. It should be one left, I think. Radio button not selected. Google voice typing. And let's try this. Double tap to select. Hello again, full stop. As you can hear, comma, now that I have disconnected my headphones, comma, I'm getting no feedback in the manner I did when headphones were connected, full stop. It's an extremely well thought through implementation, full stop. I did a four finger tap, which activates the back button and that stops the dictation keyboard. And let's have a look at this text. Hello again. As you can hear, now that I have disconnected my headphones, I'm getting no feedback in the manner I did when headphones were connected. It's an extremely well thought through implementation. We've got a couple of dictation errors there, so not quite as impressive as before. But I mean, even if you're using drag and dictate, you're not going to get 100% um, dictation accuracy. So that's not too bad. I, I believe anecdotally, and I'm sure that there are studies you can find, but in my experience, just trying this out, I have found Google Voice Dictation to be actually quite significantly more accurate than the results that I've been getting on iOS. I can frequently send text messages or quick emails, and I do check them, and uh, more often than not, I don't have to make any correction. So that's voice. You can, in some circumstances, hold down the Bixby key and dictate. And I don't find that quite as accurate, and it doesn't work everywhere. For example, I could not get holding down the Bixby key for dictation to work in the Notes app. That could be because, I guess if we're thinking in, in Windows terms, it could be a rich edit field, whereas the Messages app is a standard edit field. That could be it. But I find anyway that Google Voice Dictation is more accurate and that it's worth the effort to just find that button at the bottom of the screen. It's a couple of steps, but the results you get are worth it. Let's move on to another popular input method. And this is with a Bluetooth keyboard. I have a Logitech keyboard. It has the three options where you can have three devices configured simultaneously. And my S8 is one of those devices. All I have to do is switch the keyboard on. It has a physical on-off switch on the left of the keyboard, and I flick that switch up. Bluetooth keyboard connected. And Bluetooth keyboard connected, it's as simple as that. There are quite a few Bluetooth keyboard commands that are baked into the Samsung Galaxy S8, and I think some of those are available on all Android devices. I think they belong to Android. I think it's also possible that Samsung may have modified some other keyboard commands. And there are also voice assistant keyboard commands. But I wasn't really able to find a single document that said these are all the Bluetooth keyboard commands available on a Samsung device. And this is what they do. And I thought that was a bit curious, really. So I've kind of muddled along and figured a few things out. What is cool is that there are certain applications that you can get to from anywhere in the operating system just with the press of a hotkey. And in some cases, they are configurable. This is another thing about Android that really is pretty neat. So for example, I now have Spotify configured as my default music app, even though I think Google would like me to have Google Play Music. Now, if I was in iOS, I'd have absolutely no choice about that. There's only one service that Siri will play from, and that is Apple Music. If I don't want Apple Music and I want to use Spotify exclusively instead, well, you know, I can still use Spotify, but I can't use Siri integration. You can set a number of default applications for tasks like email and the internet, your music service like Spotify, and that is at an operating system level, and those commands will be respected. So the keyboard commands respect that too. You can press, for example, the Windows key, I believe it is. Now, this, this keyboard modifies itself depending on what it thinks it's connected to, but I'm pretty sure that it is behaving like a Windows keyboard at this point. So I believe it is Windows E will get you email, Windows C will get you contacts, and there are a number of other ones. Windows B will open the browser, 
and they are available anywhere. So I'm in the notes app at the moment, but if I press Windows with C, contacts. I'm just Show right in contacts. I don't have to go back to my home screen. I don't have to do anything like that. Just the press of a hotkey will get me into the app that I need to be. That is incredible efficiency and efficiency is something I really value. And so if I just press, I'm in contacts now and if I press the Windows key with B, Chrome. I'm in Chrome right away. I mean, that's really Tennis. cool. If I press the escape key, Keyboard hotkey Samsung Galaxy S8. List view showing three items. List view showing one items. Keyboard hotkey by Bill Repo is offline. Up junior member. Bill Repo has been thanked one time. That pressed the back button. And I was doing a bit of searching before for information on keyboard hotkeys. And so it's pressed the back button in the browser, in this case, Google Chrome. And we have gone back to the previous page. I did resort to kind of randomly pressing keys and see what they do. I'll probably blow up the world doing that one day. But if I press, for example, Windows with L, calendar. we're in the calendar. If I press Windows with M, maps. we're in the Maps app. So once you realize what these shortcuts are and you memorize them, it is a very nice environment to work in. Now I'm going to ask Bixby to take us to Voice Assistant Settings. Open Voice Assistant Settings. No problem. Here are the settings for Voice Assistant. Jolly decent of you, mate. All right. And I think if I flick around enough, we will find Bluetooth keyboard commands. Shape for continuous reading. Off. Double tap to select. Now, I use the touch screen at that point. I know that if I press Alt, left and right arrow, I can flick left and right around the screen. So I'm going to hold down Alt, right arrow now. And here's the really cool thing about this. Read caller ID aloud on switch. Press Alt plus enter to deselect. That is very impressive because Voice Assistant has worked out that I am navigating now with the Bluetooth keyboard. So before when I was in the screen and I was using the touch screen, you heard it saying double tap to select. As soon as I started using Bluetooth keyboard commands, it was sensitive to that. And the hints started giving me Bluetooth keyboard commands to press not touchscreen commands. Phonetic alphabet. When reading letters aloud, use the corresponding word from the phonetic alphabet instead of the letter name. On switch. Press Alt plus Enter to deselect. All right, we will go through here until we find keyboard commands. Usage hints. Vibration. Feed sound. Feedback. Focus on speed. Sound. Feedback. Large cursor. Cursor. Color. Quick menu. Manage custom labels. Keyboard shortcuts. Press Alt plus Enter to select. And that's what I will do. I will press Alt Enter to select. Keyboard shortcuts. Showing items 1 to 11 of 72. Let's quickly skim through these. Navigate up button, keyboard shortcuts. Key mapping, header. Key mapping, default key mapping. Press Alt plus enter to select. We have a couple of key maps. Key mapping. Showing items 1 to 2 of 2. Key mapping, void classic key mapping, not selected. Default key mapping, selected. Press uh, Alt plus enter to deselect. Yep, I've got no reason to change this, so I'm just going to press the escape key. Keyboard shortcuts. And now we will alt right arrow. Navigate up button, keyboard shortcut, key mapping, header. Key mapping, navigation, header. Go to next item, alt plus right arrow. Go to previous item, alt plus left arrow. Go to item above, alt plus up arrow. Go to item below, alt plus down arrow. Go to first item, alt plus control plus left arrow. Go to last item, alt plus control plus right arrow. Go to next window, alt plus control plus down arrow. Go to previous window, alt plus control plus up arrow. Shift, go to next word, alt plus shift plus control plus right arrow. Go to previous word, alt plus shift plus control plus left arrow. Go to next character, alt plus shift plus right arrow. Go to previous character, alt plus shift plus left arrow. Tap, alt plus enter. Touch and hold, Alt plus Shift plus Enter. Global Actions, Header. Go back one screen, Alt plus Delete. Go to Home screen, Alt plus Control plus H. Go to Recent Apps screen, Alt plus Control plus R. Open Notification Panel, Alt plus Control plus N. Stop or Start Voice Feedback, Alt plus Space R. Perform Special Actions, Alt plus Shift plus Space R. Scroll through Quick Menu, Shift plus Control plus Left or Right Arrow. Change Quick Menu Opt, Setting, Control plus Up or Down Arrow. Select Next Slash Prev, Granularity, Shift plus Control plus Up or Down Arrow. Other Actions, Header. Read from top, Alt plus Control plus Enter. Read from next item, Alt plus Shift plus Control plus Enter. So there's your say all, essentially. Show custom actions, Alt plus Control plus Space Bar. Showing search screen for items, Alt plus Control plus Slash. Read status bar info aloud, Alt plus Shift plus S. Web navigation, header. Go to next button, Alt plus B. Go to previous button, Alt plus Shift plus B. Go to next control, Alt plus C. Go to previous control, Alt plus Shift plus C. Go to next area landmark, Alt plus D. Go to Prev, 
Aria landmark. Alt plus shift plus D. Go to next edit box. Alt plus E. Show it. Go to previous edit box. Alt plus shift plus E. Go to next item. Alt plus F. Go to previous item. Alt plus shift plus F. Go to next image. Alt plus G. Go to previous image. Alt plus shift plus G. Go to next header. Alt plus H. Go to previous header. Alt plus shift plus H. Go to next header one. Alt plus one. Go to previous header one. Alt plus shift plus one. Go to next header two. Alt plus. Go to previous. Go to next header three. Go to previous head. Go to next header four. Go to previous header. Go to next header. Go to previous head. Go to next header six. Go to previous header six. Go to next list item. Go to previous list item. Alt plus shift plus I. Go to next link. Alt plus L. Go to previous link. Alt plus shift plus L. Go to next list. Alt plus O. Go to previous list. Alt plus shift plus O. Go to next table. Alt plus T. Go to previous table. Alt plus shift plus T. Go to next combo box. Alt plus Z. Go to previous combo box. Alt plus shift plus Z. Go to next checkbox. Alt plus X. Show go to previous checkbox. Alt plus shift plus X. Go to previous checkbox. Alt plus shift plus X. Last item navigate up button. And that's the end of that list. So a lot of uh, web shortcuts there as well. And so that is how Bluetooth keyboards work. To the best of my knowledge, there is no way to go through and reassign Bluetooth keyboard commands. And that would be a nice feature to be able to do this on the fly, create your own key map, essentially change these assignments, maybe to mimic your screen reader as much as possible and then save that key map. I haven't seen a way to do that. I am impressed that this list exists because I can't tell you how many times I have seen on email lists over the years for iOS a simple request like, is there somewhere I can get a list of Bluetooth commands? And there is one. You can go onto Apple's knowledge base and find it. But to have it right here in accessibility settings under the settings for the screen reader is a very helpful thing to do. It's just right there. It's on the device. You can consult it whenever you need it. One of the areas where I feel we lost a bit of ground from the Windows Mobile and Symbian days, you remember them, is Braille support. Eventually, Apple did add Braille support. I think we had to wait till about iOS 4 for Braille support. And Apple Braille support has been a bit sort of kludgy in the sense that the Braille input, if you use contracted Braille, was kind of idiosyncratic. and I've blogged about this over the years. It did concern me that we were giving kids, potentially, iPads and Apple devices. And when they were at that formative stage of learning about Braille, they were learning bad Braille habits to compensate for Apple's poor Braille implementation. Now, in iOS 11, Apple has done a lot of work on Braille. They have justifiably received a lot of flack because they didn't thoroughly debug that work. Very early on in the iOS 11 cycle, before it was publicly released, a lot of people were telling Apple the Braille is seriously broken, seriously broken for input. And Apple released anyway with very dodgy Braille support, and it's done them no credit that a company with their resources at their disposal chose in the end, made the choice, to release a very buggy contracted Braille input implementation. Now that is being ironed out now. Now that it is being ironed out, and when you look at all the configurability that they introduced with iOS 11 Braille, you can customize every key on your Braille display to do exactly what you want. It is really impressive. I think the Braille support in Apple, once they have ironed out the kinks, and they're just about there now, is going to be best in class by a long, long way. Apple should also, in my view, get a lot of credit for the fact that they have baked their Braille support into their screen reader. And it's amazing to me that I have to even say this because Braille is considered an integral part of every other screen reader except on the Android platform. And I really don't understand why that is. I don't know why neither TalkBack nor Voice Assistant considers it an absolutely core function of a screen reader to have really good Braille support. I mean, these guys don't have any Braille support. If you want Braille support, you have to install something additional. Now, that something additional is most likely to be BrailleBack, which is a Google service, and it's available from the Google Play Store. Samsung voice assistant plays nice with braille back in one key respect unless this has changed in very very recent times it's not possible to mute speech 
with TalkBack. The only way that you can be a Braille user who has no speech going at all when TalkBack is running is to turn the volume all the way down. And again, the ability to mute your speech should be a core screen reader function when you're using it in conjunction with Braille. You can do that on Voice Assistant, and that is another thing in its favor over TalkBack. However, no Braille built into Voice Assistant. There is a second option as well, and that is to install another service called Braille TTY, which is available on a number of platforms, and there is an Android version that is actively maintained. The Braille TTY service for Android is not available in the Play Store, and this gives me an opportunity to talk about the concept of sideloading. If you followed the blind side from a couple of episodes ago, where we highlighted the plight of Marty Schultz, you understand both the benefits and the potential risks of the control that Apple has over its ecosystem. If they get the wrong end of the stick, as we say here in New Zealand, and they decide that a series of apps has contravened a policy, even though it in fact has not, and Apple misapplied it in this particular case, it is actually very difficult for an app developer to continue. In the case of Android apps, Obviously, there's a huge convenience and exposure factor in being in the Play Store. And also, there is some degree of security from the point of view of the end user. But an app developer can choose to make their app available outside the Play Store. It's kind of like going to a website instead of the Mac App Store or the Windows 10 App Store and getting an app from there. It's your device and you're free to install whatever you want, you should be sensible and understand the risks and only download from sources that you know for a fact to be reputable. You have to go and change some security settings to make that possible. But once you do that, it's actually quite a simple process. There are a number of ways you can do it. You can use the browser on your Android device to go to the website and download the file. It will get stored in your downloads folder it's pretty easy to locate it then and install it much like you would install an app on your pc you could download it to your computer and then connect your android phone via a cable and copy the file across and install it that way what i find easiest most of the time when i'm sideloading android apps is to download the file on my computer and then copy it into dropbox which i have on my S8, and it works well on the S8, just as it does in iOS, and then install from there. So Dropbox is kind of nice, or you could use OneDrive or any of those services, because it's kind of like a conduit for all your devices. They're all in sync. They all have access to the same material. And of course, if you have an Office 365 subscription, and if you write in any way or use email seriously, I just can't recommend Office 365 enough. It's a cheap way to get Microsoft Office on a whole bunch of devices, on a whole bunch of platforms and keep it maintained. You actually do get a terabyte of OneDrive storage as part of that Office 365 package. And so then you can use OneDrive for no additional charge on your PC your iPhone, your Android device, your Mac, if you have one of those, and everything's in sync, and you don't have to pay an additional fee. So there are plenty of options, and sideloading an app isn't really that difficult. So I have installed Braille TTY, and I don't mind admitting it bamboozled me when I first looked at it. I haven't spent a lot of time with Braille TTY, and it could be that if I got really serious about this and just took a few hours to focus, then I would get the hang of it. it. It didn't seem as intuitive to me as the many other Braille devices I've used, but I guess you can get used to anything over time, and it does seem like a very capable solution. I also did receive a number of messages in the brief time that I was using Braille TTY to say that it had crashed, and that may well be some compatibility issue with the Galaxy S8 and its sort of forked version of Android. So a number of things that 
troubled me a bit. But as I say, if you if you really need to make it work, Braille TTY is certainly a lot more capable than the present released version of Brailleback. But let's take a look at what's available with Brailleback. Open accessibility settings. No problem. Here's the screen where you can set accessibility options. You notice that Bixby does take a wee while to respond. I definitely notice there's a much longer delay than, say, Siri, and even the uh, Google Voice Assistant for that matter. Notification reminder off. Answering the net. Single. Map services. I'm header. flicking through. Talk back off. Select the speak off. Switch access off. Real back off. Double tap to select. I'm back using the touch screen now, and I'm going to double tap this. Real back. Navigate up button. Real back. Settings button. Off switch. When Railback is on, your device will connect to a pair of Bluetooth Braille display and present the screen content in Braille. Keys on the Braille display can be used to navigate the screen, activate items, and enter text. For more information, press space and dots 1, 2, and 3, the letter L in Braille, on your display when connected. Off switch. Or double tap. Double tap to select. Railback wants permission to. Off. Railback wants permission to. Monitor your actions. Receive notifications when you're interacting with an app. Retrieve window content. Inspect the content of a window you're interacting with. Turn on enhanced web accessibility. Scripts may be installed to make app content more accessible. Cancel button. OK button. It wants a lot of permission. Double tap to select. Let's grant it. Real back. And we'll flick to the right. Navigate up button. Real back. Settings button. On switch. When real back is on, on settings button. So let's go into settings. Double tap to select. No recognized pair of devices. Real back. Showing items 1 to 10 of 10. Real back. Device header. Status. No recognized pair of devices. Double tap to select. Now, despite saying double tap to select, if I double tap here, nothing happens. And we need to go into the operating system's Bluetooth settings to pair the Braille display. So we'll go there. Open Bluetooth settings. Sure thing. Here are the settings for Bluetooth. Let's have a look. Keyboard K380. There you go. I didn't mention the Logitech model number because I couldn't remember it. That's a, it's the K380. I knew I was going to get lots of people asking me, so I'm glad about that. Pair devices. Keyboard K, device settings button. Available devices. 71 colon D357 2F colon 6189 device name will appear when this device is connected. 1A colon A03E colon AD colon 39 colon A3 device name will appear when this device is connected. KD49X8000D. Living room. Focus 40 BTE AD 722 D1. And there's the focus Double 40. Tap to select. And we'll double tap. Keyboard K380. Keyboard shown. Showing items 1 to 10 of 10. And it wants my pin. Showing items 1 to 10 of 10. Let's enter that. 0. 0. 0. 0. Done. Keyboard hidden. And do we have... What do we have here? Enter focus 40 BTE AD 700. Make sure the device... Bluetooth pairing... Make focus 40... Make Bluetooth pairing request. Bluetooth... Enter pin to pair with focus 40 BTE pin. Edit box, enter password, four characters, double tap to pin containing let cancel button. Okay button. There we go. Showing item one of ten. Whoa, what an impressive sound. And now I have in uncontracted braille stuff coming up on the Focus 40 Blue. Let's go back to Brailleback settings. So I wonder if I can get Bixby to take me there. Open Brailleback settings. Let's manage your phone settings here. No, I don't think so, mate. All right. Well, let's um, go to accessibility settings. No problem. Here's the screen where you can set accessibility options. Direction lock. Direct app notif- Answering single t- map services. Talk back off. Select the speak off. Switch access. Real back on. Real back. Navigate up button. Real back. Settings button. And let's configure. Double tap. Connected. Real back. Showing items 1 to 10 of 10. Real back. Device header. Status connected. Keyboard help. Braille header. Braille type. Computer braille. Double tap to select. I want to change that. Braille type. Show braille type. Literary braille not selected. Computer braille selected. Cancel button. So literary braille. Literary braille not. Braille back. Showing items 1 to 10 of 10. Literary braille table. Auto English. United States. Grade 1. I want to change that too. Literary Braille table. Literary Braille. Auto. English. Arabic. Not selected. Auto. English. United States. Grade 1. Selected. Arabic. Catalan. Czech. Danish. Danish. Dutch. English. 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 Web. Grade 1. Not selected. 
English, web, grade two, not selected. That's what I want. Braille back. Show ah, that's one much better. Okay. Literary Braille table, English, web, grade two. Computer Braille table, auto, English, United States. Duff, miscellaneous, header. Open source licenses. Developer options. Developer options. Braille back. Device, header. Status, connected. So keyboard let's help. Braille, keyboard go into keyboard help. Braille back, keyboard help. Navigate up button. Braille back, keep, use navigation keys to move focus on the screen. Use the Braille keys to enter text in the edit box. Below is a full list of key commands supported by your device. Pan right, right advance. Pan left, left advance. Navigate to the next item, right rocker down. Navigate to the previous item, right rocker up. Navigate to the next line, left rocker down. Navigate to the previous line, left rocker up. Scroll forward, scroll backward. Scroll backward, scroll forward. Navigate to the top of the page, scroll backward plus left advance. Navigate to the bottom of the page, scroll backward plus right advance. Activate the item under the finger, routing key. Long press the item under the finger, long press routing key. Activate the back button, space plus dot one plus dot two. Activate the home button, space plus dot one plus dot two plus dot five. Open the notifications window, space plus dot one plus dot three plus dot four plus dot five. Open the recent apps window, space plus dot one plus dot two plus dot three plus dot five. Activate the enter key when editing text, dot eight. Delete backwards when editing text, dot seven. Navigate the next section in web content, space plus dot two plus dot three plus dot four. Showing items 18 to 20. Navigate the previous section in web content, space plus dot seven plus dot two plus dot three plus dot four. Navigate the next link slash control slash form field in web content, space plus dot one plus dot four. Navigate the previous link slash control slash form field in web content, space plus dot seven plus dot one plus dot four. Navigate the next list in web content, space plus dot two plus dot four. Navigate the previous list in web content, space plus dot seven plus dot two plus dot four. Toggle search on screen mode, space plus dot three plus dot four. Toggle labeling menu, space plus dot seven plus dot one plus dot three plus dot four. Open the Braille back keyboard help, space plus dot one plus dot two plus dot three. Last item. So that's one of the curious things. This command set does not adhere to what I would call the standard, well, convention that goes back as long as I can remember. I've been using Braille since uh, I had a Versa Braille in about 1983, which is pretty scary because it means I've been using Braille displays for about 34 years. And since I've been using Braille display, there's always been this convention where dots one, two, three chord will take you to the top of something and dots four, five, six chord will take you to the bottom. Those conventions aren't being followed here. And at this point, there's no way that I know of to configure those to a more familiar environment. I do like the use of mnemonics. I find that mnemonics really help people a lot to remember things when I'm training. So H chord for home, N chord for notifications, that's all really good stuff. Also, I have not found a way of inputting contracted Braille. Now, I'm told this is possible. It may be that that feature is still in a beta that I don't have access to. And I think if you really want that, you have to be subscribed to the Eyes Free list. I think you can subscribe and then go no mail. But honestly, I think there needs to be a better way of getting betas of this technology out to blind people than requiring them to subscribe to a list like that. I'd also like to see Samsung turn their attention to Braille at some point in the future because they really have dealt with some of the more serious user interface defects of TalkBack, like the angular gestures. And if they could do the same with Braille, they'd have a pretty compelling solution. Just to show something off that is particularly important to serious Braille users. I mean, I go for hours at a time with uh, out speech on on my phone. In fact, I think I probably spend the majority of my time without speech on on my iPhone. And so turning down the volume is not an acceptable solution. On the Galaxy S8 and any Samsung device running voice assistant, you can perform a two-finger quadruple tap. Voice feedback off. I guess they want to make sure that you really intend turning voice feedback off. And now I am scrolling through. I see calendar and uh, weather and current location. It tells me that the temperature is 12 degrees Celsius. So not too bad. That actually brings to mind, just as I scroll through here, another limitation of the current version of Brailleback that I have on this device at least and that is that it doesn't offer word wrap that means that your display will be as full as it can be 
with text and then you scroll to get the next line, that means that a word could be cut off at the end of your braille line and you have to scroll to the next line to get the rest of the word. Some people actually like that as a feature and that's fair enough. But in my experience training, most people want word wrap on so that the complete word goes on one single line of the braille display. So that's another area where braille back is weak. And the more you use braille back, the more you realize that if you value braille at all, certainly in English speaking markets where contracted braille is a big deal, it's pretty hard to make a case for Android for the serious Braille user at this point. I want to conclude this look at the Galaxy S8 by having a look at some common apps that you might like to use and look at the device in real-world usage. Let's talk to Bixby again. Open user manual. Okay, here's the user manual. If you want a user manual for your iPhone, you can pick one up from the iBooks store. But the user manual for the Galaxy is built right into the device. And this gives me an opportunity to have a look at an HTML environment. In other words, looking at the web. This user manual has come up in the Internet app, which is Samsung's web browser. And that works pretty well. I do consult the user manual from time to time. Yes, I am officially a nerd. Don't judge. So I'm probably in the middle of it somewhere. Let me tap on the screen. I can flick right. We've got a few links that don't have text here. Mm, I'm all in favor of that. There should be a lot more of it, I reckon. Let me flick up with three fingers at this point. Lines. Words. Characters. Controls. Now it's aware that we are in an HTML environment, so we can now navigate by controls. Links. And by links. Headings and landmarks. And headings and landmarks. So now if I flick down. No more heading or landmark. Begin. And there are no headings and landmarks on this page. I'll flick down with three fingers. Links. And we're on links. Now I can flick down. Link. Basics chapter button. Link. Device layout and functions. Link. Battery. Link. Let's go there. Double tap to select. User manual. And now the battery screen has come up. So if I navigate up with three fingers. Headings and landmarks. We're on headings and I can flick down. Battery heading one. And we're in the heading level one where we need to be. I could just perform a three finger double tap. Charging the battery heading two. Charge the battery before using it for the first time or when it has been unused for extended periods. Warning. Graphic. Use only Samsung-approved chargers, batteries, and cables. And off it goes. I just performed a two-finger tap to silence the speech. So you do have some basic level of granularity with the touchscreen. And as you saw when we were looking at navigating by the Bluetooth keyboard, you have a lot of navigability with the Bluetooth keyboard to navigate to different types of control, even to specific heading levels. In terms of using this from day to day, I definitely find myself happier using my iPhone with a wide range of apps. Now, part of that is probably just due to familiarity, because when you've been using something for years and years, it does become like muscle memory. There are some legitimate issues, though. For example, the audio interface with the device in general means that sometimes when I'm on a call and I want to enter numbers while on that call, press one for this, two for that with the IVR systems, that can sometimes be difficult. It can sometimes be difficult to hear the speech over the top of the phone and those little things just sort of add up over time to make you think oh, this is quite nice but it's not as polished as it could be just as is the case when you are comparing any platform you'll find that some apps work better than others in different platforms for example i have not been able to sign into my particular banking app in android at all and yet it's a really wonderful experience in iOS. There are some occasions where apps work better in Android than they do in iOS. So 
it's a matter of trying to engage with the developers and see if they will come to the party. I have found that with most of the big apps, it's a reasonable experience. I think most major players are aware of accessibility now, and we're making good progress there. A lot of the Microsoft apps, Dropbox, that works well. Sonos recently, which I've invested a lot of money in, they have made a big improvement to their Android app, and Sonos is now working very well under Android. I have a network-attached storage device, a Synology device, and that's where we have about 8 terabytes of uh, capacity there, and we store a lot of audio, video, documents, that sort of thing. And the Synology apps that I use for working with files and audio, they work well on Android as well. So that's very nice because it means that I've got my own private cloud and that it is accessible on this device as well. So I was delighted to find that out. For Twitter, I have found tweetings for Android to be a very good solution. Just like its iOS counterpart, it has a lot of settings. And when you run tweetings for Android quite impressively, it comes up and offers to set all of the settings optimally for accessibility. It detects that you are running a screen reader. Unfortunately, when I did this, I found that the settings were not really that optimal in the sense that you would have to flick several times to get past every tweet. I now have it working quite well, though, so I can say, OK, Google, open tweetings. Google assisted. Tweetings is coming up. It has come up. So if I tap the center of the screen. Mushroom FM, 5M, Fungi Anthony, format is next on pound mushroom with a replay of Anthony unleashed. It's saying pound mushroom. That's, that's the hashtag the there. Double tap and hold to long press. And if I double tap and hold... We've got a menu. So it's an accessible experience, and the developer of Tweetings is definitely aware of screen reader users on Android. You would have to get used if you were moving from iOS to the Samsung Galaxy S8 or any Samsung device to no actions rotor. I kind of like being able to flick down and access the most common options, but that's just something you can get used to, definitely. You can double tap and hold easily enough and get to a menu of commonly needed items right from there. One thing that is different, though, that I do miss, and this could just be the apps that I've stumbled upon on this journey, but it seems to me that with third-party apps in particular, Keyboard commands aren't quite as common in Android. Gmail and the web browsers, they're all pretty good. In fact, the web browsers are exceptionally good with keyboard shortcuts. But for example, in tweetings for iOS or Twitterific for iOS, it's full of keyboard shortcuts. Command R to reply, Command N to compose a new tweet. There are commands to quote and retweet. So as well as the actions rotor, you've got these keyboard shortcuts as well. And when you get familiar with them, those things really do add value over time. And I found that the keyboard shortcuts just aren't quite as abundant in Android. But it would be very difficult, I think, to do some sort of efficiency quotient because it is very true that the efficiency losses that you may feel you've taken in one area might be compensated for in another. For example, as I showed you earlier, the ability to zap around to different applications with a shortcut from anywhere in the operating system is really good. And so in the end, it probably balances out. Podcasting, there is no podcast app built into Android, or for that matter, Samsung's slightly modified version of Android. And I find that unfortunate. But that is reflected. Everybody I talk to in the podcasting business notices a much larger number of podcast listeners coming from iOS clients than Android. The percentage on the blind side is massively in favor of iOS. And I wondered whether that's because we've focused a lot in the past on iOS things, but I'm told that's not the case, that People tend to listen to podcasts more on iThings than they do on Android. And it does seem like an extraordinary oversight to me 
that there's no really good built-in podcast client on Android. But you do have plenty of choice in terms of third-party apps available for Android from the Google Play Store, and I've tried a few. I quite like Dogcatcher, which just appeals to me in terms of its user interface. There is an app called Pocket Casts, and this could be of particular interest to you if you are biphonal. Biphonal? Is that a new word? (laughs) If you are using iOS and Android and you want your podcasts to be in sync, then you can use Pocket Casts on both platforms and you can sync your podcast content all the way down to the point of being able to listen to a podcast, stop it on one device, pick up the other device and resume from where you left off. So that's a pretty attractive feature if you're going to use two devices on a regular basis. Google and Apple produce operating systems and they also produce apps that run on those operating systems. But Google and Apple have adopted quite different approaches for the most part in that Google is quite willing to make its services apps available on iOS. So it's easy for iOS users to get all the good Google services and most of them are very accessible these days, whether it be YouTube, Duo, Allo, Maps, the Google Assistant, there's a whole range of Google apps that work very well in terms of accessibility, and they provide great functionality. Now, if you're an Android user, you don't have the same reciprocity, and that can create some difficulty. For example, if you do a lot of iMessaging, and suddenly you find that you have switched to Android, obviously iMessage isn't available on Android, so you're going to have to look for other solutions. If you make good use of the Find Friends app, which I do a lot on iOS, then you will need some other solution. There are many options that work accessibly and just as well in terms of alternatives to iMessage, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger. They would be the two that come to mind, but there are also many others that are accessible. I find WhatsApp works particularly well. In terms of a Find My Friends type of app, The one that we have settled on is Life360, and I did actually have to look at this because a couple of years ago, my son Richard made a decision that he liked Android better, that it suited his preferences better, and I was proud of him because he came to that conclusion on his own, and it works for him, and that's all great. But in terms of managing things around here, we made good use of the Find My Friends app. And if Richard is not on iOS, then we couldn't use Find Friends to keep track of the whole family. And so the whole family knew where everybody was. So I did a bit of looking around at the time and found an app called Life360. Life360 works on the concepts of circles. So you could set up a family circle And you can add everybody to that circle. And when you do that, everybody can see everyone else's location. It's a really elegant solution. And it also has some nice features that Find My Friends doesn't have, such as the ability to see the battery life of the users that you're looking at. And that's quite nice. You can also get some automatic notifications in certain circumstances, and it's really good. Now, Life360 is accessible on both iOS and Android. So if you do have family members across platforms and you all want to be aware of each other's location, then I highly recommend the Life, that's L-I-F-E, 360 app. Other than my email, the app that I probably spend the most time in on a mobile device is an RSS reader. For those not familiar, RSS is a way of getting syndicated content in one app or website So the upshot of it all is that I can get a bunch of news sources in one app in a very accessible environment. Now, I haven't found any way of integrating my Galaxy S8 with RSS as I like to use it. And the way I like to use it is that I have my data synchronized with a cloud-based RSS service called the Old Reader. And I have a number of very good options, not just one, but a number of options on iOS that will allow me to work with that information. If you are following the Mosin Consulting Twitter account, you'll know that I share 
some technology news that I think is relevant. That is all coming from my RSS reader. So it's a big deal. I spend a lot of time in there consuming news and information of all kinds. And when you have an RSS reader set up, it's a huge time saver if you want to get news from a lot of sources. Unfortunately, I haven't found anything on Android that connects with the old reader in a way that I consider really optimal. I have found one or two RSS readers that work okay, but they're standalone RSS readers. One looks like it was designed specifically for screen reader users, and that's great. But the thing is, I consume a lot of content on my PC using JAWS and the website for the old reader. And I also want to continue to use my iPhone. So they all need to be in sync, much like the podcasts are in sync if I use Pocket Casts on iOS and Android. And at this point, I've not been able to find an RSS reader that really meets my needs on Android. This is, again, a very good feature of the automatic refund policy of the Google Play Store because I've tried a lot of these RSS apps, some of which you had to pay for when I found that they weren't meeting my needs, either for accessibility or some other reason, I was able to get a refund. So it's great to be able to experiment like that. Amazon Kindle is working for most people, and I have to say it is not working for me, and I do not know why. I've Googled extensively on this. We've talked about this on the blind phones list. It works a little differently in Android from the way that it works on iOS. So if you know on iOS that the command to perform a two-finger swipe down starts your continuous reading, that's really all you need to know when you open a Kindle book in the Kindle app on iOS. You just do your regular two-finger flick down and the continuous reading will begin and it automatically turns pages. It's a different paradigm on Android and when you load a Kindle book, you swipe to the right and then you double tap to start continuous reading. When you do that, the screen reader is not involved. The Kindle book speaks through the text-to-speech engine that is selected in settings in Android. Now, I don't know whether this is an issue pertaining to my particular configuration, whether it's a general Galaxy S8 thing. I haven't gotten to the bottom of it at all. And believe me, I've done a lot of research on it. But when I do my double tap to start continuous reading, nothing happens. Nothing happens at all. And I just cannot get the book to read continuously. I've tried setting the screen reader text-to-speech engine differently from the default text-to-speech engine because somebody suggested to me that that might make a difference. I've tried everything I can think of. And no matter what happens, that Double tapping on the continuous read does absolutely zilch for me. I got so desperate to try every possible thing, I even went to talk back briefly and was very glad to get back to voice assistant, but that didn't make a difference either. Don't let that put you off though, because I'm definitely convinced that my situation is not typical. There are lots of people using the app successfully, and perhaps when I get a minute, I'll need to try and uninstall and install again and see if I can get Kindle to work. But it is unfortunate. On the positive side for me, in terms of Amazon Kindle for Android, the Kindle store is baked right into the app. So there's a series of tab controls at the bottom, and one of them is store, and you can double tap that tab and search for something you want to buy and make a purchase from there. Of course, if I can't read the book on my phone, there's not much point in buying it, but uh, it is there if you uh, want to make a purchase, and that is something that has not happened on the iOS version of the app due to an ongoing debate, shall we say, between Amazon and Apple about revenue splits. In my experiences, apps like YouTube are working pretty well now. That's something that wasn't always the case. So if you haven't tried Android for a long time, then it's certainly worth giving it another look. In my view, particularly with Samsung Galaxy and the voice assistant, because in my view, as I said at the beginning of this process several episodes ago, one of the biggest barriers for me was those angular gestures. When those angular gestures aren't frustrating you and you try them and they don't work for you and you just sort of get frustrated because you're not getting the predictable results, when that's out of the way, it does change your whole 
complexion, your whole way of looking at the operating system. I think we are getting very close now, at least for speech-only users, where we can have the same choice and make the same decisions based on the same criteria that sighted people would use. So some sighted people just prefer the kind of it just works nature of iPhone, and some people prefer the ability to tweak and customize connect directly to your computer and have the phone come up as a drive, all those features of Android. When we can get to that point where it is a matter of personal preference, then we really do have some success. And I believe that Samsung is getting us there. There are some devices that are cheaper than the S8 and its siblings that do offer voice assistant. So if you're interested in this and you don't want to spend the money on a Galaxy S8, then it is worth finding out if you can find another device that has voice assistant that costs less. Like a lot of rival technology, there has been some copying from Samsung that's gone all the way to the courts, of course. (laughs) And there's also some innovation as well. Some of the things they are doing are impressive. So it's getting closer and closer. I really wish Samsung would pay the same attention to Braille that they have paid to speech, because if they did that, I think iPhone would have a real competitor on its hands from an accessibility perspective. If Braille's not a factor, well, definitely consider it. I hope that these demonstrations have helped to crystallize for you where you may be better off with one and better off with the other, And there's no one answer to that question. It really depends on what you use the device for and what's important to you. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.